All right, good morning and welcome to Web3 Wednesdays where we chat through some of the complex and nuanced topics in crypto and Web3 at large so that you can stay ahead of the curve. So today I'm joined by Carl Hua, CTO and investment partner over at Shima Capital, an early stage VC firm that targets disruptive crypto and blockchain technology companies. They've invested broadly across the space with holdings in gaming, DeFi, infrastructure, and broad DAO entities. So Carl himself, he has a well-decorated past where he previously led research and development at Ripple's open source business unit. He was the chief architect at Celsius Network, and he was the CTO for Logos Network. All of that is in addition to contributing to real-time flight software for NASA at JPL in a previous life. So Carl's experience across the space in both building and evaluating you know, these financial machinations and technical components of early stage ventures in crypto make him a fantastic research for learning more about how we should be considering these big ideas like staking, valuation, and key product performance indicators. So we're keen to get his takes on the matter. Carl, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Sam, for having me here today. All right. Well, awesome. Well, we are uh, really excited to hear what you have to say here. So let's dive right into it, chatting around staking. So uh, staking, right, for the listeners, very controversial topic. Okay. You know, on one hand, it was super effective for bootstrapping user growth and decentralization back in the early stages of DeFi. But on the other hand, you know, staking is getting a lot of criticism around, you know, users claiming that staking is just an outdated mechanism that increases hyperinflationary pressure. It basically just destroys the value of tokens for those who choose not to stake. So, you know, in that context, with those two separate framings, how do you view the utility and position of staking today? Yeah, so if you think about staking, we have to take a step back and and kind of review how staking was um, um, invented in the first place, right? So uh, this predates DeFi, and um, um, and when when Bitcoin first launched, it was proof of work. So which meant there was no um, proof of stake type of mechanism to secure the network. The one the downside of proof of work really is that um, it was not scalable because that's actually one of the core attributes of proof of work is anyone can come online, uh, provide the proof of work, which is the mining part of the, the, the system, right? And then provide proof that they are the legitimate next block, right? Whereas then proof of stake came around. So then the whole idea of proof of stake is the more stake you have in the net network, the higher the reputation is. And that directly translates to uh, validation power. So um, before DeFi came around, uh, staking and proof of stake really was used for um, security reasons because uh, imagine you own one percent of the network and you're you've staked your token tokens and then you're able to validate the transactions under the condition in which you lie or cheat the network and you you prov uh, you provide invalid transactions to the network you then in turn get slashed right so it's a mechanism in which the networks themselves uh to gain a, a an acceptable amount of security um over proof of work now um DeFi came around shortly uh, after Ethereum's launch, and what we saw was some of these protocols, DeFi protocols, uh, also had staking. They are decoupled uh, from the security aspect of the network. Now, if we take a step back and we look at this, is staking more or less is designed and implemented to secure some type of protocol, and in DeFi, that's no longer the case. Right, most of the, most of the DeFi protocols are using staking 
as a reward mechanism. And once you kind of decouple the, the underlying uh, needs for staking and it became a uh, reward mechanism, you will find uh, issues with that because what it then we, we kind of have to think about this is what's the purpose of staking now, right? Um, and many of the DeFi protocols using staking to reward the end users, which then creates this thing where, well, now I'm getting more of the underlying token and the protocol themselves are actually selling future upside of the protocol to kind of gain the user adoption in exchange, right? So we can more or less view this as a way for the protocol to incentivize adoption in exchange to provide this type of staking. So uh, there lies a very uh, subtle difference between proof of stake network and DeFi staking, and hence the controversial um, um, effect there, right? Uh, so if you look at a lot of DeFi protocols, when they perform the staking, it's usually that you get rewards in exchange. So it doesn't, it doesn't provide any additional security. So the, it's questionable how sustainable these type of um, um, mechanism is. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great framing of the situation, and I, I completely agree, right? It's it's bifurcated into something that started with really severe utility, you know, like underwriting a network, making sure the network is secure, propagating transactions, and now it's moved into marketing spend, effectively, right? Like we are effectively purchasing users. Yeah, yeah, and um, um, it was super effective when i remember when sushi swap came around they did a vampire mining and then you were able to stake sushi tokens and get additional rewards i think as this becomes more um adopted such model uh it becomes less and less effective right and and one of the side effect of that is it usually sends these projects into something called the death spiral once the token price drops to a certain level and the users kind of lose their confidence in the project. Well, one argument is if you believe in this project, you stake the tokens, even though it's not security related, you get rewarded for not spending the tokens and you reduce the token velocity and so forth. And in exchange, you get a little more of the tokens. And, and, and when, the, when the project gets adoption, so what happens is these tokens are usually, usually the governance tokens and it has real utility to the project, but they're essentially fighting against adoption curve, right? Because if they're not able to um, gain sufficient adoption for the project, then the token price will will, will decline and, and that gets them into a death spiral type of situation. Yeah, and I, I also love that you went there with it next because my next set of questions was gonna be around lock periods, right? And so a lot of projects, they are conscious of this idea that people who will receive these token emissions will probably just sell them, right? They're mercenary capital, mercenary consumers just coming in to scrape a couple uh, you know, bits of capital off the top. So uh, there's this idea of locking periods within staking programs now, uh, popular ones like Alluvium, right? You can't receive your rewards for a whole year afterwards, et cetera, things like that. Have you seen um, you know, any really convincing Convincing models in the space right now, any interesting locking mechanisms that you think might actually do a better job of aligning user utility with platform utility in a way that, you know, it makes staking a little bit, uh, maybe not a, 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 a rote excellent thing to do, but like maybe a slightly better idea to do. Yeah, I think this goes into type of uh, 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 thing. Um, it, it has has to do with the tokenomics design of the underlying protocol. First and foremost, 
um, if a project can tie utility, and we were talking about massive amount of utility that outweighs the benefit of dumping the uh, the profitability of dumping the tokens, then we would argue that it's a viable solution to such program, right? For example, uh, one, one of the projects that I, I like a lot is Curve, even though by no means they're perfect, right? I think we're still very early on. Ethereum was launched in 2015, uh, and most of the DeFi projects are less than four, four or five years old, right? So it's very early on. It's not a solved uh, problem, but I think Curve does a very good job incentivizing the community to lock up their uh, governance token. So what they do is actually, well, when you, the longer period that you lock your tokens, the more voting power you have in the ecosystem. And Curve has, I would argue, has reached the, uh, the escape velocity, meaning that they have sufficient adoption, though I don't believe the, the trading fee at, at the moment is sufficient to sustain the project by itself. So what they're doing is they're emitting uh, governance tokens when you, um, as part of the rewards to the liquidity pools. And when you lock the um, governance tokens, you can choose the duration in which you lock the tokens. And the longer duration that you choose, the more voting power that you get. And the, the interesting part is it's it's a decaying process. So the moment that you lock for the longest period, you get the additional voting power, which then you can use to influence the project. So I think there is a huge correlation between how, how well you want to influence the project versus how much profit you want to get by dumping or selling these governance tokens, right? And, and one interesting effect of that is bribery. And I, I know this is not the beautiful, the most beautiful world, a word in the world, um, but essentially it's lobbying, right? The, so there are essentially projects are that being built on top of Curve that exclusively deals with this type of voting because they understand, because once you lock the tokens, you're not able to move them. And in order to vote, you must be the one to cast the vote, right? You can't say, okay, I, I'll delegate to somebody else. Well, guess what? There are projects that want to get the liqu uh, liquidity incentive from Curve, but they don't necessarily have the capital to purchase these governance tokens. Now, that's quite interesting because that's essentially mirroring um, um, our our government, right? You have uh, the politicians that do the votes and so forth. And then you have lobbyists that go around and say, hey, um, this is probably the right uh, vote to pick because X, Y, Z, right? For DeFi, there is no human interaction. So it's very straightforward that you will pay these um, whales that, that are locked, uh, um, that are locked into curve and they vote on behalf of your protocols. So I think that's one, and, and there's a there's a term for this, right? It's, it's the V tokenomics. And I think it's probably one of the most effective uh, way to kind of mechanize this entire ecosystem with uh, governance token staking. I, yeah, Carl, I, I love that you took it there, especially with the government analogy, because you're right, right? So at the end of the day, you know, Curve is making certain reward allocation disbursements based on this voting power. And those go to, in the government analogy, what would be different infrastructure pieces, right? Or even different private company sectors.
So I, I think that's a, a super interesting model to point out because it really is, you know, at odds with the what I would call the old DeFi model, which is where you stake your cash, you get your reward mechanism, you, you dump it right like immediately. Whereas with Curve, you know, you are staking because you need to participate in X and there is economic value to staking because there is economic value to voting. Right. Right. I generally think, I mean, um, some people, uh, some community are are onboarded into DeFi via philosophical reasons, right? But that only goes so far. For example, even if you can't onboard the one percent, the rest of the ninety nine percent of the community needs to have an incentive to kind of go on the platform, right? Because then, then the question becomes: How do you design a protocol or a project so that people are correctly incentivized to? perform the action that you desired that desired them to to perform right so for example staking you give them more voting power and if your project gets traction that's a huge amount of incentive liquidity incentive that they can provide and that's how you mechanize a what i say a sustainable uh, uh ecosystem yeah i love that and i i guess you know kind of bringing this out into the bigger picture a little bit how does the presence of staking in a project or the lack thereof staking in a project how does that impact, you know, your decision to either invest in a project or participate in a project? Does it have any impact on that? Um, so Shima is a pre-seed in C-stage uh, crypto native uh, VC fund, right? And uh, uh, tokenomics design is critical to a project, whether it's DeFi or gaming. And we can definitely talk about gaming <laughs> later. But uh, uh, as far as tokenomics design, is concerned staking is definitely one of the critical part of such design whether it's a decision to have staking or not it has to make sense for the projects right so i would argue it's a case-by-case -case scenario um, um some of the projects should have staking and if we don't see that element in there we would recommend to work with our in-house um, token design designer to kind of work that thing right remember that tokenomics is also a living thing where hey just because it works today it doesn't mean it will work tomorrow so uh you know we we highly recommend the portfolio companies to be uh flexible on the tokenomics because as soon as you release the tokens and assuming these tokens have governance capabilities your roadmap is largely driven by the token holders right so when it comes to staking uh it's not a, a key indicator for us though uh it's definitely critical and um uh, to the health health of, of the portfolio company. So it, it really depends. Some of the projects make sense for them to have staking and some of these don't. So, um, yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah, it, it really is a case-by-case -case basis thing, right? Because some projects actually generate revenue or they generate things that you could vote on. Other projects, you know, like provide some piece of infrastructure service. So it, it's different. I, I totally agree. I think that's fair. Um, I guess, you know, staying on staking for one moment before we switch off to another topic, staking within games. Okay. This is a, this is a fun exploration, right? Because games are fundamentally different than DeFi projects and, uh, you know, th these other major blockchain infrastructure pieces that we see because it takes in some social fabric, right? There's like participation from an audience. They come in, they bring in their value. Staking has a, a different context there. How do you see staking inside of games? Yeah, I think it's hard to get it right. I think Sam, you and I had a conversations around the game tokenomics and uh, conventionally in Web two, I'm a, I'm a gamer myself, right? You usually run into a problem. For example, I play Diablo uh, series game quite a bit. Um, 
the items you got and the amount of gold you had at one point might be considered top tier. And if you don't continue to participate in, in that ecosystem, you don't grind <laughs> in the game anymore. Half a year later, um, what was considered top tier or elite tier is now completely irrelevant, right? And the amount of gold, uh, and more importantly, the gold is essentially the token of the Web3 gaming, right? Um, becomes uh, uh, essentially worthless, right? Because there's this massive amount of uh, uh, one-sided inflation and so forth. So coming back to staking, I think it's, for games, it's even more difficult to get it right because that the games always want the participants to continue participating. And what that ends up doing to the economy is that you need a way to issue more currencies in the game. And now if we're talking about, hey, you stake the currency and then you will get more, then that just exacerbates into the whole uh, the problem, right? So uh, I don't think it's a solved problem today, though there are models where you have two token model. One is the governance token and the, the other token is the in-game currency. I don't know how effective that is because even for the governance token you run into the same problem you have people stake now you have the DeFi project type of problem right the governance tokens get staked they are the more valuable type of currency in the game and the tokens and and the interests are no longer aligned because guess what the uh, the uh, the gamers and the rest of the community are focused on the in-game currency <clears throat> whereas i would argue People who usually hold the governance tokens are the um, developers and the investors. So we see a disconnect uh, between the ecosystem and community versus the invest investors and developers. So as for staking, it's uh, you know I don't think it's uh, uh, it's a completely solved problem, and I sure hope to see more innovative solutions to to this uh, topic here. Yeah, I, I think that's yeah. I think that's totally fair. In gaming, it, it just gets so complicated. You can stake NFTs, you can stake tokens, the utility token, the governance token. You have like ten different routes to accidentally dilute your economy to zero. Um, and it's it's you know we we see mistakes made left and right, and it's not you know it's not a lot of developers' fault because the examples that we have so far in the space, there's really nothing that like works conclusively, right? We're still figuring it out kind of all jointly together. Um, so I guess, you know, uh, as, as kind of a final tangent here, um, staking ultimately needs to support project value, right? So the devs and the project managers all have a responsibility to their project to drive value to that. Um, with respect to project KPIs, right, do you see any particular KPIs that staking helps to support, you know, either that's user growth, marketing, you know, anything. Is there anything that you see clever project managers using staking to support inside of their projects? Yeah, I think um, for staking, um, one of the most misunderstood uh, kind of the, the philosophy there is staking is not the end, right? It's a means to an end. Uh, just like blockchain technology, it's not the end, it's a means to an end. Uh, why why was Bitcoin invented? Well, because it's these, it's not because it's, we wanted to have a decentralized uh, financial system. It's because we want to be able people to really own the underlying asset with no restrictions, right? So for staking, you know, proof of uh, uh, stake network, the the end goal really is to secure the network, right? So for some of these projects we really have to look at what, why do we need staking and what is the goal in which we, 
uh, we were using staking for. So we, I would argue some of the projects are tying governance and governance voting power to staking. These projects, at least today, tend to do uh, better than the rest where they're just blindly giving out um, uh, rewards without, with no lock and with no requirements to kind of um, use these tokens for voting, right? Because if if we, you think about this, DAO is DAO is being adopted everywhere, and some of the DAOs don't have the token, but a lot of DAOs do. And all the proposals uh, proposed by the community theoretically need to be voted using um, using the tokens, and and based on how much tokens are in favor of a certain proposal, they get passed, right? And and we're so early on in this in this field. Um, a lot of and the other thing is the token distribution, right? It it's a misconception where hey, you know, a, a one year old or two years old project, people always claim, hey, you know, the the, the foundation owns eighty percent of the token. Well, that's just that's that's because the, these projects are young, right? Imagine if we're if we're bullish in this market and we're long uh, blockchain, then we should look past the next six months, next year, or next few years. So we should think far ahead, next decade, when these projects have completed uh, their distribution of tokens, we would imagine that it's somewhat a decentralized ecosystem. Sure, you would get the whales on one or two percent of the system, roughly. So they've been accumulating these. They have complete uh, trust in the project, and rightfully so, they should get more more voting power, right? But in a, in the perfect setup, you should generally see a, a pretty good distribution of the tokens, right? And then that's when when the staking comes into play. Is that hey, like it's one thing that you want to trade these tokens, but if you actually want to participate in this game or you want to participate in this protocol, you must stake, get locked, so that you have a say, right? It's almost like a reputational thing. If you want to put, if you want to say something and you want to propose something, put your put the money where your mouth is, so that you show the community, hey, I'm not here just to tell you guys this 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 is the right thing to do. I'm using my stake to kind of tell the community. I, I go for it, right? So. And, and Carl, I absolutely love that you ended on that because it brings us full circle back to almost the first comment that we made during this chat, which is that staking started fundamentally as a way to support consensus mechanisms on a blockchain. And it seems that the direction that the community is taking is that ultimately we're going back to this method whereby staking supports the consensus method on an app. And so now you've moved it up from the consensus layer on the blockchain up to the consensus layer on apps. And that's a very legitimate use case you know, for staking. Yeah, yeah, totally, and um, um, it's all it's extremely dynamic, right? Uh, what 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 is working today might not work tomorrow due to the immaturity of the ecosystem. So as VCs, we're always on top of the game, making sure that we see what's coming uh, down the pipeline. I love that, and I, that's also a good you know kind of ending point here. And I'll ask you this, and then ask if there's anything else you want to shout out here at the end. But you know, as an active participant inside of venture capital. What advice do you have, you know, for these new Web3 builders, folks who are trying to put together their own projects and strike out on this? What uh, what would you tell them? Yeah, I think definitely focus on product market fit. Uh, just because we have the best idea uh, doesn't mean that uh, it will end well, right? We see many of the good ideas. As the chances are the ideas you thought of uh someone else already has a better deck and someone else has already executed on that and failed, right? Um, so product market fit and also execution, right? Because um, these days uh, execution, 
execution is extremely important because we're going through a massive adoption phase for blockchain and, and whoever has the better user experience, whoever has the better user base, whoever has the better product roadmap and execution will ultimately win the game, right? So the advice really here is it's, it's not so much about the idea. Sometimes the idea might not be so sexy, but there, there's no one executing on that idea, then go and build it. This is this is actually pretty funny because if you notice, we have a huge, like there's a huge hole that needs to be filled in the infrastructure layer, right? Hey, how do you visualize the data in blockchain? What they're doing? How do you make sense of these data? No one's building these. Well, some, some of the projects start, are starting to build these, but it's almost like, hey, we just want to get the money moving first and then care about the vi visibility later. And that makes sense, but there's a currently there's a huge hole in the in the infrastructure layer. I think that's I think that's again completely fair. Execution with an eye to user experience is gonna it's gonna steal the show over the next couple of years, in my opinion, too. Um, yep. Carl, this has been a ton of fun having you on. I'm gonna give you a couple seconds here. At the end, is there anything that you want to shout out in general? Anything you know that Shima's doing, or any of your projects that you want folks to know about? Yeah, we just uh, uh, completed our two hundred million dollar raise, and ah, we're currently hiring. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And we're also currently hiring uh, one to two investment associates. So if anyone's interested, send us an email, and we'll get you guys an uh, interview. I love it. All right, guys. Well, keep an eye out for Shima here, Carl. Thanks a ton for coming on. This has been a lot of fun, uh, and we will see you guys next week. Likewise. Thank you, Sam. Take care.